Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We taped Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Our guest is Aileen Bennett, author of The Little Book About Fire, which will officially be released tomorrow on September 26th. Aileen is an illustrator, author, designer, painter, and writer. She's written the BU column for The Advocate for over 10 years, where she features people and the things that make them special. Most importantly, Aileen is a creative force in Acadiana and beyond. Her heart, her humor, her love of her fellow human beings has always inspired me and so many others. And I can't tell you, Aileen Bennett, what an honor it is to have you here on Discover Lafayette. Welcome. Thank you. You've been watching me read this. That was quite an introduction. (laughs) I feel like I have a lot to live up to now. Well, I haven't really touched the surface. Um, There's so much to talk about you and your life. And so many people know you, but they probably don't know all the aspects of your life, what led you to come to the States, your creative career, how you got into advertising and marketing. So thank you for taking the time to come plug your new book. But before you do that, would you share your story with us? Uh, yeah, I've been in Acadiana for 20 years, which surprises me more than anyone else because I kind of had planned to come for maybe three or four. But I, I met some Cajun guy on the internet <laughs> way back, be- like wind-up internet days, before before there were dating sites, before people met on the internet. Um, and so I came over for Mardi Gras um, and stayed with his sister. It was all above board. And then we got married a year later on Mardi Gras Day. Oh, wow. And he moved to London first. And then after a few years, we came here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a lot of surprises, um, especially when I first came here. Adapting was very interesting. Um, but it's been it's been fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, the Mardi Gras connection, growing up in England, Was that something, like I know that they have Mardi Gras celebrations all over the world, but maybe not quite like Louisiana. No, we have Pancake Day. Um, (laughs) No, literally we have Pancake Day. We wake up in the morning, we make pancakes. At school you probably have pancake races. (laughs) but The the pancakes aren't racing each other. You're like racing along with the pan and you have to flip the pancake three times. So it's very similar. We have to use up, well, traditionally use up the egg and the milk and the fresh ingredients. Mm -hmm. So really that's all we have in England. It sounds very similar. Yeah. Yeah, really similar. (laughs) We need pancake parades. Oh my gosh. So, did you study marketing or design? In college? Yeah, I did graphic design in college. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a designer from apparently the age of three or four. Um, I used to go to the supermarket and point cornflake packets and say I wanted to draw them when I was older. Mm-hmm. And so I just always, always knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do packaging. And so when you moved here, I, it must have been pretty easy for you to get 
some no, gigs, huh? Well, it was weird because at that time, so 20 years ago, I mean, the internet was around but not as important mm-hmm. as it is today, but design in London was very, very different to design here. So I don't think I could have come and joined a design firm. I don't think I would have understood what they were doing and they definitely wouldn't have understood what I was doing. But at that time, I'd already kind of started, I was freelancing in design and I'd started a career as a speaker. So back in 2000, I won the top speaker in the UK and Ireland um, through Toastmasters International. And so I figured it was a great time when I moved here because Americans understand what a professional speaker is. Right. And so I did that for the first uh, 10 years I was here. I travelled the country giving speeches and using my newfound English accent well, I, that I didn't really have in England because... <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody sounded alive. Yeah, I, no one was like, wow, what a beautiful <laughs> accent. And so I used that and, um, yeah, I was a professional speaker. Always with humour? Yes. I, I was kind of a cynical, motivational speaker. I'm not very good at the, like, American rah, 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 um, but luckily people got it. And so mm-hmm. I talk communications, a little bit of motivation. Um, so stuff I really cared about people, yeah. people getting on in business or in other things, always with humor. Mm-hmm. And so I got to travel quite a bit. Um, and so it was kind of a fun new career yeah. that really took off when I got here. I met you back in 2009. I'm not sure if you remember this, but I was running Upper Lafayette Economic Development. And I had come up with this idea called Quest for Your Best. And I wanted to have it was very ambitious, but four outstanding speakers to talk about health and wellness and business. But you business. got three and me, so I, you did good. You were the top of the food chain. <laughs> you were actually there along with, um, gosh, one of the head doctors at Pennington Biomedical. He He's the one that taught me about getting 10,000 steps a day. But you were talking just about motivation, and you had also coached me you really took time with me to teach me about how to call on people because I wasn't comfortable asking people to join this foundation. I was used to acting like a lawyer and a civic person, but not running a nonprofit and trying to get people to invest in a cause bigger than ourselves. And you sat down and took time with me, and you also spoke at that. And it was you were such a hit, and you were funny, bright, but also people left feeling like they were their lives had been enriched. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's your that's your uh, mode of, you know. I like operations. people. They mm-hmm. I, they they fascinate me. Yeah. And if I can leave them a little bit happier, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So before we started taping, you were reminding me you had um, guest hosted or, or hosted out to lunch mm-hmm. for a while. You've been on the radio. You're an illustrator, author, etc. Um, which of these? How do you define yourself today? Um, it depends on where you meet me. I kind of, well, for business-wise, I wouldn't tell you I did all those things. I, if you wanted mm-hmm. an illustrator, I'd be an illustrator, and you would gradually learn about the other things. Um, generally, though, I think of myself just as a creative. Mm-hmm. I like to do lots of different projects, and each one feeds the creativity in another. So at the moment, I'm mostly doing illustration, um, which is a kind of new obsession of mine, yeah. um, and having so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. What, what, who are you working with? Um, I'm well, well. Strangely, this book came about because I 
because a couple of years ago I decided it's really good to do your own personal projects when you do art because it's nice to put out there what you like to draw. Mm-hmm. And people, it's kind of like being typecast in a movie. It's like you play a policeman and people want you to play a policeman. So if you start drawing the things you like, I, I love drawing food. I also mm-hmm. love drawing buildings for some reason. Um, so I did a king cake project just for myself and it was fun because people started sending king cakes. Um, it's that know, Mardi Gras connection, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. it is. Yeah, I thought connection. of that. Um, but king cakes are fast. So I started drawing them and people would send them and I'd call my friends and say, hey, we've got a king cake. And so it was, you know, easy. And the paper had asked me to do a whole page for them eventually. So I did that. And I thought nothing of it. And then a few months later, I got a message from someone saying, oh, this guy's looking for someone who draws king cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I talked with this this guy um, who was writing a book and uh, he put me in touch with his publisher. And so I'm now working. I did the little book of king cakes with yeah. them and then a book called Lila Duray, which is a children's poetry book. Um, and I'm secretly working on a new book with them that I can't reveal, uh-huh. but a really cool local person. Um, and that's who published my book. So um, I've been doing a lot of book illustration and mm-hmm. a lot of food illustration and uh, really just having a lot of fun. I saw on your, I guess it was your Facebook page, um, Zaps. Yes. Potato chips. What, what was that about? I just wanted to draw. I like to draw. When I get to draw things for myself, I like to draw super ordinary things. Mm-hmm. I guess it goes back to my days as a packaging designer. Yeah, cornflakes. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I recently drew a potato, um, 40 <laughs> inches square. Um, I don't think anyone understood. I know a few people actually love the potato, but I like to draw really ordinary things. I've got a new series going out on English biscuits. So, um, you know, but I'm I'm kind of fascinated by doing very ordinary things and mm-hmm. making them quite large. We just printed out a Zaps at, I think, five foot by three foot. Cool. Yeah. So your new book, a little book about fire and the people that have it inside them, is a small book. It looks very special, but the message is profound. If you want to talk about what motivated you to write the book and tell us about your heart, you know, what's behind this? Um, a little book about fire is is literally that. It's a little book about fire. Um, so a few years ago, I was going through chemo. And people talk about fighting cancer. I felt like I was napping through cancer. I'd lost that kind of... Mm-hmm get up and go that I always have way too much of. Um, And I was worried that, you know, I wouldn't get my brain back. I wouldn't get my fire back. And so I don't really remember writing the book, but obviously at some point I'd written a poem. I didn't think of it as a book. It never occurred to me. Um, And it's really about, it's that reassurance. It started off to myself, that reassurance that that fire's in you and it's not going anywhere. It's, you know, sometimes it rains, it says in the book. Sometimes it rains. Um, But the fire's still there. And it's going to come back and you can feed it in different ways and you can see it in other people. But it was just that little reassurance. And I'd obviously, I wrote a few things during that time just because I was worried about not being creative. And then during COVID, during the lockdown, I did a an online course with the School of Visual Arts in New York. Um, it's really cool sometimes to see if you can still hang with creatives in New York. Yeah. And I'd known the woman teaching it from Instagram. We'd go backwards and forwards sometimes. So I kind of trusted her. So I jumped on this course and it was really cool. There was like eight weeks, I think. And there were people all over the country, lots of people in Brooklyn and things, but all over the country, all ages. And so we'd have a prompt every week and we'd write. And the last few weeks, we all had to read something out. So normally we'd kind of send it to each other and give each other comments. Mm -hmm. But this was like you had to read it. And 
I don't know how I ended up choosing this, but anyway, I chose it. And as I was reading it, suddenly all their videos were going off. And I was like, you know, trying to still read the thing as if I was confident thinking what's going on. And then I got these messages through saying, oh, my God, I'm crying. Sorry, I turned off my screen. I'm crying. Mm. And that was the first time I kind of realized it was about something bigger than I'd written it about. And the feedback was that should be a book. And I kind of said, oh, yeah, great. And kind of laughed mm-hmm. because there's less than 300 words. How are you ever? How am I selling that? How am I getting an agent? Like to write a description of the book would be longer than the book. So it kind of got put aside again really mm-hmm. um and then I was working with this publisher anyway and one afternoon I was brave enough to m- email her and say by the way I've got this thing that I'd like to read to you which is not how you approach a publisher ever um and she immediately wrote back and said yes let's jump on zoom and so I read it to her and she was like yes um and so this little book somehow I don't really feel anymore that it's mine. I wrote it about creativity and me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've seen other people read it, I realise it's about a much, much bigger thing than I was writing about. It's about mm-hmm. being human. Yeah. And so many people see themselves in it. And it's that little, one of my friends described it, it's that little best friend that sits on your desk just to kind of remind you who you are. I um, agree. I mean, it's it's so beautifully illustrated and yet, it's so simple. It just, it pulls on your heartstrings when you look at the the illustrations. I don't want to give away too much of it because everybody has to buy one of these books. <laughs> well, we won't make yeah. them. They can choose whether it's to like, buy one or not. It's like a little golden book, though, that's got nuggets of wisdom that are timeless. But what does fire represent to you? To me, it's that it's that drive. It's that when I wake up in the morning and I want to do 500 new things. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that. In fact, I have to always edit, like, okay, no, finish this job first. Don't get excited. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of lived like that. And I want to learn new stuff all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of thought as you got older, that would go away. But I'm still that, you know, let me look yeah. that up. Let me find out about that. What's your favorite dinosaur kind of person? <laughs> um, and so to me, it's about that, that drive. But it can mean other people, it's just carrying on every day. Other people, it's a dream that they've had, that they haven't given up. Or just a re- reminder that they are exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And the world's been through some really weird stuff in the last few years. And this is a strange time. We're all pretending it never happened. I know. We're all just carrying on like, oh, it's all back to it's normal. But we all know it's not. And I watched kind of the world, like one little thing happens and people overreact. And that's because we're all really fragile. And so I think it's even, I've heard people say, oh, it's it's the, this book at the right time, just to remind you that you are who you've mm-hmm. always been on the inside. Yeah. And that, that kind of matters. And how I've... I don't know. It's a very, very simple book that is also very, very deep. I said there's less than 300 words in the whole book. Mm-hmm. So if you can share your fire with others. Yes. You know, I know you say in the book that you can see it in others. You can, if you can identify it in others. But your talent to me is that you share your fire. You get others excited about themselves, what they what they can do. It becomes possible. But I think people are fascinating when they talk about something they're passionate about. Like I don't mind what you talk about. If you love it, mm-hmm. then I'm completely obsessed with it too. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's sharing fire. Um, and I don't think necessarily it comes from one person. Everyone's got their own spark, and it's those sparks getting together. 
And sometimes you might meet the right person and have this amazing conversation. And other times you might just wave at them and go on with yeah. your life. Um, but sometimes you just get those moments. And we've all been so insular that we haven't had enough of those moments. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite days of the year is Christmas Eve. And at our church, they'll dim the lights and then we have candles. And we, you know, we go down the aisle and everybody takes their candle and helps the next person light theirs and so on. And it's just so beautiful. It's to such see. a metaphor for life. Like it is. You don't it's, have to blow out my candle to make yours glow brighter. That's not how it works. Let's and multiply so, our yeah, life. If we all light each other's candles, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, the world is a lighter place. And mm-hmm. I think this book's just that little lighthearted reminder. It's not... It's not a, say it's a, a tiny book. It's why it's called a little book about fire. It's a very little book, but it's it's one that we all need at some point. There's been days where I've picked it up and read it again, and even on me, I've gone, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is all right." That was pretty um, good. <laughs> so I say I don't feel like it got published in the strangest way. Um, Who published it for you? It's um, Susan Sharp. She's out of New Orleans. Um, great little publisher, doing some really really nice work. Mm. Um, but the way, you know, the way I met them, it was kind of, it was going to happen. And I feel like it's everyone else's book. Um, and the people that have kind of come out of the woodwork to kind of make it happen and encourage me on this book has been amazing. So we're now it's time to put it into the world and see yeah. what happens. So once you decided you were going to publish, was it difficult to do the illustrations once you had already written the words? Because you didn't really think of it as a book. Yeah. So was, um, that, was that more time consuming than the... Yeah, because when you're working for someone else, they're kind of saying, oh, no, that's not how I imagine that character or no, this. And suddenly there's just you and you can do anything. And that's really terrifying. And at one point I'd done most of the illustrations and I remember calling my publisher and saying, I've redone them all. I minimalized them. I I made them more minimalist. The color palette is very kind of minimalist now. Um, And I just woke up going, no, if this is going to be my -hmm. book, it needs to be the way I am. Um, And so, yeah. Jason, how little. little, Yeah. 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 Yeah, So I went back and made everything way more minimalist. Mm -hmm. And and I called my publisher. And it was really interesting because there was one illustration that I'd kind of, I wasn't happy with, but I thought it would kind of get by. And (laughs) she called me out immediately and said, this page doesn't work. Oh. Um, I wondered if they would edit. And I said, that's the page I can't defend. (laughs) It's wrong. So we redid that one and now it works. But yeah, it was like I woke up one morning and it was just like, if this is my chance to really be me, then I've got to really be me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, everything's way more minimalist than it was originally, and it it feels like it's mine. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to let your work go into the universe? Like you know now it's published, so you can't go back and, like, edit the pictures, you know. You could probably— have a second edition. Yeah, hopefully. Is it hard to let it go? No, not really, because as a creative, you have to get used to putting your work out there and not worrying what happens to it. I can't make this into a bestseller. It can accidentally happen, and that's great. I see. You have to remember there's like, you know, 10,000 amazing books published most months. So you just have to kind of do your best. But it's like that you put something off on Facebook and hope Mm -hmm. that maybe it leads to something and maybe it doesn't. So it's always equally as terrifying, whether it's a drawing of a potato or a new book Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of you know you have to do interviews and you have to put yourself out there Um, and I think that's fine I naturally am way more of an introvert than people expect me to be so I'm a bit of both I'm an extrovert introvert but I like I like to listen I like to learn new things and sometimes when I'm talking I'm not learning enough what I like about it is you know 
I guess it's written for grownups. It's really appropriate for all ages. Like for children, I think it's especially important for them to realize that they have that fire inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. kids understand the book amazingly mm-hmm. well. I think sometimes we we write things for kids and we dumb it down slightly, but mm-hmm. they will understand this book as much as adults do. It's it's just a human being book. It's not really for any age group or mm-hmm. and that's where it's like, where does it go in the bookshop? And I asked the local Barnes and Noble manager, where does it go in your bookshop? And he said, by the checkout. Um, <laughs> that's a good place which huh? is a great answer and yeah. so it is it's that little gift book it's you know we've all had oh the places you'll go for graduations for years it would be lovely if this book became that little yeah. graduation gift book obviously I'm slightly biased yeah <laughs> so talk about that place as a local creative as you say I know you're having um before we release this you're going to have a party your yes. official release date is the 26th Tuesday and you have a big event at Sharon Moss's Mercedes dealership. Yes. So kudos to her and you and the designing women of Acadiana for pulling all this together. They've been amazing. Yeah. I've had to, you know, I can do the bits that I'm doing and they'll, you know, they're mm-hmm. really great. There are a bunch of creative women and, yeah. and some men involved, um, but they've taken the event and run with it um, and it's been great. And Sunday's provided the food for it and Bookie's Baker made some oh, yummy. amazing Robin. cookies that yeah. surprised all of us. Yeah. But to, to be at Barnes & Noble, is uh, it's got to be like so gratifying to have your yes, book. Yes, um, we big have a store. whole table. Like when you write a book, you think, oh, one day I'm going to see it on the shelf in a bookstore. But we have a whole table. And Drew, the manager of the local one, is also kind of championing the book across mm-hmm. Barnes and Nobles. And that's really lovely because he sees a lot of books and also he's not the kind of person to say stuff he doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's been a great help on this. Mm-hmm. So, And we already had a relationship through some other books that I'd illustrated. But he's just uh, a charming man. I have this weird question that just popped in my mind. This is about fire, and there's other elements like water and wind. Do you ever think about a series? People keep saying, well, obviously the sequels will be the other elements. I mean, you Um, haven't even celebrated this yet. Here I I am asking. I'm I'm still trying to stay in this book. Um, But, yeah, there is some thought to maybe doing the elements, but now I feel like everyone's saying that, so that might be a little predictable. Um, But who knows? Who knows what happens next? Mm -hmm. Nothing's ever been predictable in my life yet. So um, You could do a book like Talking Heads, you know, Burning Down the House. That that (laughs) would As long as I get to wear the big jacket, I'd be really happy. I'm curious, you know, your life seems to be evolving because you— I don't know if you let go of what you had before, but I know that probably having cancer caused you to examine your life. Yes. I've never, you know, I I feel so fortunate. I've never, I've had skin cancer, but never serious cancer. And um, I hear people say that it it is life-changing. It's that realization because everybody secretly believes that they will never die. Even if it's the only single thing guaranteed of being a human being, we all secretly believe it won't happen to us. And although mine was never serious enough to think I was about to die, it still make, brings it home that, oh, one day this will happen and you don't know when it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it wakes you up in that you are not going to live forever and you better, like, I measure my life and all actually always have by the amount of fun I'm having. Mm. Um, And I'm not sure that's a great measure of a great life, but um, that's how I choose my work. That's how I Mm. choose my friends. Um, So that's, you know, that hasn't changed at all. Um, But 
yeah, it does make you a lot more grateful for a lot mm-hmm. more things. Yeah, I I look at God in my life, and whether or not someone is religious, I think at the end of our lives, you don't want to have that regret that you didn't use the talents you were born with, you know. And I think that you couldn't let God down more if you like. What if you had become an accountant? You know, it would have been like a wonderful career, but. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, I hope I would know. have been a really, I want to say a creative accountant, but that also means something else. But I think it's... Bernie Madoff, you know. Yes, not, not that kind of creative accountant. I hope that, like, it's whatever people do, they do it with some kind of mm-hmm. love. Or they do a job purely for money and find that love somewhere else in their lives. There's not one way to live your life. I'm not saying everyone has to kind of give up any kind of mm-hmm. corporate job or normality. No, but I mean, your life was meant to be... Yeah, I've always arts. lived this yeah. kind of strange life. I'm lucky that I get to do lots of different projects. People tend to call and go, I have an idea. And I will go and meet them just on that. They don't have to tell me anything else. We have an idea we want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to, like, a few few years ago during COVID, we did a whole illustrated cafe down, yes. downtown at the ACA. Mm-hmm. So I got to paint an entire cafe to look like an illustration with tables and chairs. And that was really fun. And so... I get to do kind of crazy things. I get to do branding. I get to do some serious stuff. Um, But I get to work with companies on all sorts of things. I've Mm -hmm. just been doing some illustrations for Parish Rice. And that's That's really fun. They let me do a T-shirt that says, Rice, Rice, Baby. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) They really did. They said yes. So it says, Parish Rice, Rice, Baby. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> hey, sometimes you've got to suggest the stupid stuff. I know. I like it, though. And I people like it. love it. I, I love it. So before I – I know Jason wants to ask some questions. I have one more thing I want to say. Do you ever just go home and talk like you really talk? Like, do you really have a Cajun accent? <laughs> My friend Tiffany, her kids asked her that one night. They said to Mom, when she's, like, in, in the house on her own, does she just drop the English accent? <laughs> So, no, and I, I'm really bad at accents. I still cannot do an American accent. You can't? I can't. This is the only accent I can do. I'm really, really bad. I'm bad at accents and whistling. What this sounds like in my head, what I think I'm doing is apparently, according to my husband, completely different to how it comes out. So oh gosh. never, never ask me to do an accent. It's not pretty. Right, right. <laughs> well, Jason Secor is here taping us, and uh, I know you've been writing notes. Do you have any questions? Uh, oh, I, I certainly do. First of all, thank you for being here, and congratulations on not swearing so far in this podcast. Oh, yeah. We were waiting <laughs> we, for her to drop We, we discussed that before the we started recording. It's Only because no, yeah, no one's ever cursed on the show. It was kind of a challenge. But, <laughs> I, I kind of— see, I kind of want to, but now I kind of don't. <laughs> now that I called you out. Takes the fun away. <laughs> um, boy, in just listening to you talk, we could, like, I kind of just want to have, like, this whole conversation about, like, existentialism with you or something, or, like, metaphysics mm. and yes. pseudoscience. Like, I'll come back. I think, yeah, I think that'd be fascinating. I hate small talk, so let's do this. Uh, okay. Well, when it comes to consciousness, no, I'm just joking. Uh, that's for a separate podcast. Um First of all, uh, how do we find you? How do we find your work? The name of the book? How do we get the book? Kind of all that stuff. Let's get that out of the way. Okay, A Little Book About Fire by Aileen Bennett, and it's A-I-L-E-E-N. Available everywhere that sells good books. If they don't have it, Go in and ask for it. There's nothing an author that helps an author more than somebody asking for their book. Um, so obviously the the big online places, but small places. It's also going to be on sale at um, Johnson's. I'm going to 
get this wrong, Buccaneer? Buccaneer. downtown, because it's a little book about fire and they're a barbecue restaurant. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) And there's a few other surprising places that will pop up. You can find me at aileenbennett.com. A Little Book About Fire has its own Facebook page. um, And you can find me on Instagram at Aileen's Notebook. And they'll all lead to each other. So just find one and you'll find everything. It all all comes together. Yes. That's, That's awesome. So you do, you write... You illustrate. Are there other creative endeavors that you also take part in? I, I design. Um, I paint sometimes. I do an exhibition every couple of years. Um, I do a lot of branding. Um, I don't do anything musical except listen and be a huge fan okay. of music. I'm more of a words person. All right. And and you're like, I want to say analog because I'm a music guy, but you don't – you're not opening up Photoshop and doing your, your drawings that I do way. both. Oh, I you have, do? Okay. And in fact, my studio in my backyard has an analog half and a digital half. Oh, wow. And so, like, today I was making some very, very large papier-mâché matchsticks for the event, although I think they might not be dry. Um, <laughs> and the book was all drawn on, actually, on an iPad. Oh, wow. Um, So I do sometimes open up Photoshop, but often I'll be in one half of my studio making some watercolor backgrounds and then scanning them and putting them into Photoshop. So I equally use both. Gotcha. Use use the tools that are available. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Um, So I like to sit here and kind of listen as um, maybe somebody who's interested in your work and wants to get into a similar field. So with that... Would you have any advice for some up-and-coming creatives or somebody who wants to get in that field? Really, like, just beyond learning fundamentals, right? What are some other things that you would advise? Do the work. Have some fun. Do If you want to be an illustrator, illustrate. Okay. Um, if you want to learn to draw, draw. It's not a – people go, oh, you, it's such a talent. It's something you work very hard at getting better at. Anyone mm-hmm. can learn it. So put the time in. Do the work. Make the contacts. You know, it's great to say to someone, oh, my God, can you tell me about what you do? Can I come and see your studio? Can I do that? Um, enthusiasm goes a long way in this world when we're all so cynical and <laughs> so, like, you know, aloof. So enthusiasm really helps. But just we're in a world now where you can find so much online. Um, but put the time in. Do the work. Make sure you in whatever you do, you enjoy the process and not okay, yeah. just the result because otherwise you're always kind of, waiting for a result you need to enjoy it's why I kind of switched to illustration because hours go past just with me and I'm just so involved and I love every minute of it Um, and that's why this is what I'm doing at the moment but find something you love and listen to that little voice inside you because the way I see it and this is not a medical explanation most of the stuff in our body is there for a reason You know, Mm -hmm. we can work our hearts there, our lungs and all of that. But we have these kind of things that interest us or desires that aren't there. They're not put there by advertisers. We don't want the best new car or a white picket fence. So why would we have those things when we see something and go, oh, my God, I want to know more about that? Mm-hmm. So listen to those things mm-hmm. and follow them because they lead you into all kinds of exciting places. Yeah, that that's fantastic. Uh, I would imagine you're similar to so like when I sit down and I start recording music. Like time just kind of goes away. Yeah. I'd imagine the same thing for, for illustrating or painting. It's the best feeling. Mm-hmm. It really is. I, and maybe this is the same for you. For me, the hardest thing is to start. Yes. Right? Setting things up seems to take away from that creative process a little bit. Yeah, the only quote I have on my wall is like, once she sat down and started, it was all all right. It's yeah. starting. Yeah, starting hmm. has magic in it. It's Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the follow-up on my previous question, are there 
aspects of working in this field that aren't taught in school, maybe more the business side that you could advise about? Yeah, I think always being honest, if I'm going to be late with something, I'm going to tell them the minute I know I'm going to be late with something. Um, Not being scared to clarify and saying, okay, you know, it's been two days and now I'm thinking, what did you really mean by this? Um, And treating people well, that's your reputation, is that you treat people well. I always try and kind of sneakily over-deliver, but not in that under-promise, over-deliver kind of way because that just seems so businessy. I always try and sneak things in and add kind of, you know, Things to things, if oh God, things to things. That says <laughs> things a lot, things. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yeah. really quote, eloquent of me. For, that's yes. your next book. Add things to things. Yeah. Um, because it's never about cost, it's about perceived value. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, treat people well and make friends with people, and that will take you a long way. That's fantastic. And, and I, th- I think I'm kind of hearing a theme in here a little bit, something that I still struggle with, and that you, you mentioned like detaching from your work. But it seems like kind of detaching from your ego, right? Don't yeah. don't don't be so attached to this. Don't be scared. Be a little vulnerable. Be honest, which is just detaching from your ego. Yeah, especially in this day of likes and things on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, it can be very easy to put something up. It gets lots of likes. Something else doesn't. So you're like, oh, well, let me do more of that. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of guessing what other people want. And that takes that kind of that knowing and listening to yourself away. And I saw someone, I was reading a thing about shortcuts the other day. When you take shortcuts, it makes you insecure because you end up believing you can't do things the the proper way. Okay. Um, and so I think the same with, like, if you start playing to social media and putting what you think they want up there. Like, you know, I always laugh to my husband, like, maybe I should be drawing flowers and not potatoes because I'm sure <laughs> oh, yeah. a lot more butterflies. people would want. Yeah, butterflies <laughs> and really sweet things. Um and my husband just goes, but that's not what you're, you know, you love to draw. And yep. he's really good like that. But it is, it's like trying to keep your own sense of worth without it being about Instagram likes or even how many mm-hmm. my book sells or any of that. Your job as a creative is to put it out there and try and not worry about what happens to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're creating for external validation of your work, you're going to be very limited in your scope of work. Yeah, and you're also going to get hurt all the time because even yeah. if you did amazing things every day, eventually people will be on to the next thing. Yep. And so you can't, if that's your validation, your validation kind of, I'd love to say it could be internal. I'd love to be that enlightened. <laughs> right. Um, no, I do it for my sense of self. No, I love it. But you have to look at who matters in your life. I have some really, really good friends who are the ones I call, you know, call and go, oh, my God, I'm doubting myself. Or did you see this? Or, you know, and so they're the people that, that matter and you have to work out what matters. And it's about you loving what you've done, but not putting your ego in it. There's a very... It's, it's a hard line, and I'm sure I get it wrong a lot. Um, I'm sure we all do. Yes, because yeah. we're, we're human, and that doubt and the immense doubt it comes when you're doing something new, and I just try and have to – I have to remind myself that the closer you are to the edge of your comfort zone, the more that doubt creeps in. Mm. Um, and now I've learned to kind of voice it. Like every day with this book I have some – 
crazy doubt that's nothing to do with me or the book. Um, like I, I woke up one day, had obviously had a weird dream and I woke up thinking, oh my God, I've copied the book, but nobody's told me. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get sued. <laughs> or what if I did something really bad to someone that I don't know about? What if I killed someone and now it's going to come out because I've published a book? But stupid doubts. But that's because I'm doing something, I'm putting it out there. Yeah. And it's kind of scary if you think about it. But I'm just going to, I promised myself I would have as much fun doing all of this as possible. And so my friends remind me of that. And my husband often reminds me of that. Um, at lunchtime today, he had to tell me it doesn't matter if the giant matchsticks dry in time or not, because it will be fine without them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's that, it's just, let's have as much fun as possible. Life is short and... Worrying is just kind of borrowing problems in advance. So I'm trying to stay really kind of in the moment and just enjoy. I get I get to like publish a book and that's yeah. gotta be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, I know, like now we're starting to border toward existentialism. Um, but uh, you mentioned uh, comfort zone and, and I do really enjoy like creeping towards that edge or even getting uncomfortable. That's where some like of the mo- most mysterious creative things happen. It's like, wow, I never thought I was capable of that. But because I let myself go there, now this opens up a whole new world. So I, I like that you mentioned that. I mean, we could go on and on here, Jan, but uh, I yeah. think I think I'm doing pretty good over here right now. So well, thank you. I'm smiling and about to cry happy. It's about freedom, right? It's about being That's such an American way to look at it, but it is. <laughs> it's it about is. being you. Yeah, it's about being you. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of my whole thing. And I, I know. Think it's like if I get to be me with all my quirkiness and weird things that I love, you know, knowing about I get to be me, then you get to be you. Mm-hmm. And none of us have to try and be anything else. And I think in the end that's that's what we all want. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. You write the be you column for the advocate. And yes. that's what this is about. You you find people in our community that really make a difference, and most of them probably aren't looking for accolades. But you ask them questions, and I, I just have one for you that I didn't ask before. Is there something that nobody knows about you? You know, we look at you as fun and quirky and talented and loving, but is there something that no one knows? And I'm going to tell you that on the radio, am I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot more— No one—you know, it's just a podcast. I'm a lot more <laughs> insecure and shy than anyone imagines. Like, I still have trouble walking into an empty store. I wouldn't want to be the only person in there, so I will walk around, like, a few times oh, wow. and wait for someone else to be in there. So even though I'm a professional speaker and I love being, like, mm-hmm. in front of an audience like that, I'm— I kind of have to kind of steal myself and kind of go into it. And I enjoy it, but I also love playing ping pong at home. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm quite a homebody, really. So I think I'm just a lot more, I have a, a, more, a lot more crippling shyness and a lot more doubt than anyone ever imagines. So I think, I mean, there's other things that I can't reveal um, on the <laughs> radio. <laughs> but uh, I think that's it. I think people see me as... Uh, one kind of one bit of myself, but I'm mm. actually very, very introverted a lot of the time, which is why I sit at home drawing pictures. Yeah, um, and it's about having that balance. I think I'm both. I think most people are, and we tend to have got labelled over the last few years. But there mm. are times I love to be out, and I, I, I small talk terrifies me. So if, some, if I walk in, someone's like, how's the weather? That's way more scary than let's talk about <laughs> existentialism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like real conversations and I like real, but always being somewhere where you're different is hard. Always having the English accent, 
always kind of, you know, and yeah. I'll kind of, it's hard for me to get by with like, oh, hi. And someone goes, oh my God, where are you from? And then mm. this attention's on this weird thing and adjusting to being English and what everybody else presumes is English. So I grew up, my, my dad was an immigrant. He was Australian. And so I never really grew up thinking of myself as English. And then suddenly you move somewhere else and that's the main thing you are. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to talk to me about have I met the Queen and oh my goodness. Um, how do I drink my tea and all of those things. So it's quite hard always being mm -hmm. a person who is different. Um, and sometimes you just, I wish I could do accents and just blend yeah. in. That would be, if you could teach me that, that would be really, we'll really good. It, yeah. yeah. And now you're also a U.S. citizen. I am, yes. Congratulations. I'm also still a British citizen. I'd like to say that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to give one up to get the no. other, so. Yeah. Congratulations, Thank Elaine. you. Yeah. You're the person everybody wants to have as their best friend. Thank you for sharing yourself today. I'm serious. Don't laugh at this. You allow us to be us. And so thank you for that gift of life and fire that you, you bring. Thank you, Aileen. Thank you. So in closing, remember, her book is coming out September 26th, Aileen Bennett, a little book about fire and the people that have it inside them. It's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful gift. And it's a beautiful contribution to our society. Jason Sikora, thank you for making us Oh, Sounds so good today. Oh, thank you. This was fun. The best editing, and this may be one of my favorite interviews. I've just, I've asked you for a couple of years now to do this, and really the timing was right yes. this week. So I'm glad it worked out. I want to thank Chris Rader and Rader Solutions for um, this beautiful podcast room and, and hosting us week after week. I'd like to thank our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for your support. This is we're into the 340s now, Aileen. We've been doing this six and a half years. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. Or you can also go to my website, discoverlafayette.net, where you can find all of our interviews. It's a treasure trove of local talent. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, I'm Jan Swift. Thank you. Thank you.